your turn to be afraid. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Thank you for joining us here. I'm your host, Saul. This is Greg. And thank you for joining us here on this week on Kickstarter. It's been a while since we've done one of this, these type of episodes. And um, I don't know, I just kind of want to... I kind of want to just do a whole bunch of them. Now. It's a, it's a, I think it's a lot more fun to talk to to creators on a, on a weekly basis. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, no, it's. It, I mean, it has been a, it's been a few minutes since we did did one last, and uh, there's been a lot of really cool stuff coming out. So it's like every time I, I get a notification of like, oh, you should check this out. I'm like, oh, hey, we should talk about this, but it's like yeah. we haven't talked about it. So I mean, not that we haven't. We just things have been. It's been a busy. It's been a weird. It's been life's been crazy, man. Yeah, get yeah. It. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking to um, a friend of the of the podcast who's been on a couple times, and uh, he's going to be talking about the ongoing Kickstarter. That welcome back, DW Con. How are you doing today? Great guys, thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. And with him, Ryan Matta. Wait, there's two people here. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys doing this morning? Good man. Yeah, very well. Very well. Yeah, I'm on the. I'm a, if you hear if you hear anybody uh, in the background, I'm in a hotel because I'm on a I'm at a uh, comic con this weekend, so um, gets a little rowdy every once in a while. <laughs> Thank you very much for for joining us here. Um, I know it was kind of a short notice. Um, we were. I think I was going to try to get with you on the last week, of it, but but uh, I don't know health issues. Yeah, no, it works so. out. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I guess, do you want to catch us up from the from the last time we talked to you? We, the, uh, I believe it was, which was the crossover of the uh, Lovecraft PI and, and Mesoconic High? Yeah, so we did a, we did a couple campaigns um, with uh, Mike Shia, um, who created uh, Miskatonic High. So, uh, you know, getting Lovecraft PI together um, with him and doing the crossover turned out really well. Um, actually, we just finished up our... Um, trade paperback campaign which we have on sale now um and people seem to be really digging that and it's great because you get the best best of both worlds you get a little bit of lovecraft pi and you get a little bit of miskatonic high so um and people seem to be really enjoying it so we're, we're happy about that and uh since then we decided to take on um a uh tarzan type of uh character and uh, his name is zadar the savage and we started this uh project back in uh December or January of last year, Ryan and I started talking about, um, you know, possibly doing kind of a, originally we had wanted to do like a Tarzan type book and because a bunch of his stuff had just become into public domain. And so we decided to choose uh, The Untamed because it's had kind of like a really nice little story, meteor story in the middle of um, all of ERB's books. So we wanted to, we figured it'd be a good time to start there. And uh, so Ryan and I were uh, put together a, based off of, Actually, we took an excerpt from the book that is only about a paragraph long mm-hmm. that doesn't really explore anything. It's just kind of a kind of a throwaway paragraph. Um, and we felt that that was actually interesting enough that we wanted to kind of expand upon that and create um, at least the first three issues of what we're doing in the series. And uh, so we had been working on that for a bunch of months. And uh, we decided to bring it to ERB, the uh, Grace Burroughs family, um, just to see if we can um, join forces with them to actually make it an, an official Tarzan uh, licensed book. Um, and after months and months of uh, back and forth, um, 
cut the story short on that aspect of it. It didn't quite work out the way everybody had wanted. So we, um, we, you know, everybody parted ways amicably. And uh, for us, it's actually a little bit more beneficial because it was at our, we can go into a lot of other um, areas and universes that we probably wouldn't be able to do with Tarzan. Um, so uh, in essence, I'm not, I don't want to give too much away, but his universe and Lovecraft PI's universe will be, uh, you know, they, they do survive in that same universe. So that's something we're going to definitely be able to oh, explore nice. more oh. and uh, readily than we probably would be able to do with Tarzan. Yeah. So. Zadar I mean, versus Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he turns into Cthulhu at the end. Whoa. <laughs> Damn I, it, I gave it away. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, oh. well it's, uh, as, as sort of Dave was saying, like, um, you know, when we went out to adapt the original you know, book, I just sort of had for a long time thought like, oh, you know, where's like, where's there a really, you know, where's a, we just want to do a really great kind of Jungle Lord book, you know, and then so when we found out that some of that Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff was in uh, the public domain, and you know, it continues to fall into the public domain, like there's like, like, I think 12 of the books are in public domain, and 12 or some, you know, there's there's almost half and half. But they, you know, year by year are kind of like falling into the public domain. And um, so we came across this one that takes place during World War One, And I'd never heard about that at all, that like Tarzan was around in World War One. I'd never really thought about it. And I thought that was a great premise for to have a jungle lord kind of involved in World War One. And then again, as Dave just mentioned, you know, Lovecraft, there's, there's a sort of timeline continuum there that kind of lines up with the Lovecraft universe. So we kind of use that as a jumping off point. But, you know, as Dave said, really, we took the first, the whole first issue is really based on like less than a page of the original ERB book and kind of read it and we're like, oh, like he, he kind of arrives to something. And I was like, oh, I'd like to see the thing he arrives to. I'd like to see the setup that happens as he arrives to this sort of terrible thing, which I won't give away, but uh, like, you know, I was, I was sort of reading it thinking like, oh, geez, I, I want to see the story before that page, you know? And so we kind of built the story around that. Like, I want to see that part of it. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, we, it, it has from the beginning been more our story than, you know, we were sort of working to massage our story into the existing thing. So, um, I think we're sort of happier to have it be our own thing in the long run now, considering because once we started, you know, it's, you know, it's such a, it's such a, uh, archetypal and, 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 you know, sort of everybody knows what that kind of jungle Lord thing is. And I, I, it's sort of like being detached, you know, using some of the antecedents and stuff like that from the original books is great, but this way becomes ours. And as Dave and I were talking about it, the story just kind of grew and grew and grew and, I don't know. I like in this first one we wrote, which is just kind of like an action yarn. I mean, it's just, it's really a good story we put together, I think. And the character arc in the first 33 pages of the comic book is really terrific. Like it sort of starts, you know, with our character in this sort of happy domestic situation. And then by the end of it, you know, something bad happens. And then by the end of it, he's become this sort of savage, the savage uh, nature has sort of taken over and everything like that. But, um, yeah, so it's a, just sort of a pulp action yarn. But beyond that and what we've got kind of planned, the story becomes much more, I don't know, I guess operatic might be a good word for it. But we have a, we have a sort of gigantic story arc that we have uh, sort of 
plotted out now. And uh, this is just the first little entree into it. So we're kind of free to do what we want. And as Dave mentioned, there's going to be some, I don't want to give anything too much away, but we've got some pretty clever crossovers and stuff like that kind of plotted out. Well, and I was going to say, too, that uh, it's not too uncanny because when you go back and do research into ERB's original works as well as Lovecraft, you know, ERB was writing stuff before Lovecraft was. And when you read um, The Jewel of Alpar and then you read Shadows Over Innsmouth, there's several pretty close, you know, uh, comparisons between the two and the way the, the, the characters kind of borrow each other's work, I guess, or, or pay homages mm-hmm. to it. and that's what's kind of interesting. And, and with ERB too, a lot of his later Tarzan books, you know, they take place in fantastical lands. So it definitely, you know, it seems like a lot of these authors at the time were, you know, having this kind of fun, you know, this just kind of this fun game of being able to utilize each other's work and, and kind of build upon that, but um, maybe giving them credit, maybe not, but you can see all the little details in there in their own kind of universe that they were building. Yeah. And to it's me, like that's a actually a lot of, of fun. It's like a fraternity of authors that we're all working together, and we kind of want to mm-hmm. keep that sort of going. That idea of like, you know, that those guys did borrow from each other, and that like, you know, uh, you know, that Tarzan is probably based on like Roald Dahl's Jungle Book, and you know, and then there's little hints of things here and there, and like, you know, and like it's really strange, as Dave was saying, the sort of like crossovers and similarities and the homages that they pay each other. Oh, I think it's, uh, well, isn't it Kipling or is it, uh, you said Roald Dahl, which I, I don't think. <laughs> oh, Roald Dahl. No, no. Rudyard Kipling. Oh, no. Rudyard Kipling. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Whoa. Yeah. yeah right. That, <laughs> that would be that tricky would be, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so very easy. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's a lot of now. I'm going to see him fight Baloo now. Can we? Can we? Can it's we that, it's that? not a bad idea, though. Would you guys? <laughs> All right. So, Cigar and the Chocolate Factory crossover. Yeah. So that's what I want. Can we yeah. get that next? Yeah, sure. You know, as long as we, we get an audience for it, I should, you know. Let's oh, I'm pretty sure you'll have an audience for it. There's a, there's a, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the Chocolate Factory one. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. I seem to see mm. Yunsi Zedo in the background as one of the Oompa Loompas. Yeah, oh, my do, gosh. We can do that if we want now. <laughs> Hold <laughs> on. That's, wait a minute. This is the kind of freedom we were talking about. Would Star be fighting the Oompa Loompas? Like, to that get the Probably chocolate? leading them. Or leading them. <laughs> leading them away? Like he, revolt. Like, uh, oh, my gosh. I want uh, it now. Uh, what yeah. I was going to say earlier is is uh, I, I feel like when it, I mean, it'd be awesome right, to have the, the, the license and it, if it would have worked out, would they have been able to like nix ideas if, if they didn't like it or something like that? Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. Like they that. wanted, um, they wanted us to pass everything through them, whether it's the script, the, uh, the comic, I mean, they wanted to sign off on everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. every, I mean, everything. So More it's, freedom. it would have, <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. and who knows? I mean, we were already getting notes on certain things we had to remove in the comic to begin with. Um, and and then that that line kind of kept changing, and that was the other thing that kind of you know sent a little red flag up for us, going you know if these things kind of keep moving the line the way they are, you know uh, it's just not it's, it, it gets difficult for us to try to yeah. come up with a story, yeah. and then suddenly it gets all hacked away, and then we have to figure out okay now how can we change the story again to make it work? And it's like and it's one thing if you're working for a studio and you're getting paid for that, 
it's a whole other thing when you're doing this, you know, on your own, not getting paid for it. And it's your own creative freedom. And then having somebody come in and kind of manipulate this thing and not really, you know, giving anything more than that, you know, there's mm -hmm. no distribution, there's no promotion, you know? So it's like, yeah. to me, it's, it's, it's much easier to just uh, handle it the way we're doing it right now. And, and the, the freedom is just, you know, you can't ask for that. I mean, that's what's so great about it is we can, we can go in any direction we want to go and then make it as zany as we want to make it at this point. Yeah. And in fairness to them, I mean, they were, you know, they, they made fair points and everything like that, but we're like just looking down the road. And, and like, as I said, like, like the story has kind of grown and grown as we've talked about it. And we just had to look down the road and said, well, let's just eventually, this is just going to, we're going to run into something that's probably, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, they, they want to keep, they've got their, well, they don't even have, it's a trademark, but they're protecting their trademark and they want yeah. Tarzan to behave a certain way. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, again, I don't want to go, this, this one's, there's a lot of action and adventures in it. And he's, he's, he, there's a lot of, it, it's, you know, parts of it are bloodthirsty in ours. And, uh, but the, uh, <laughs> the, the issue after this is, uh, I mean, we could already see that, uh, when he goes on his kind of rampage in the next issue, what's it? Uh, it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a bloodthirsty. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, it, it, I think, I think it might've been like outside of the parameters of how they want their trademark portrayed, you know? So it's like, you guys totally like went, went a totally different way with this. And, and it's almost like a, like the, the Batman that kills. It's I like it. It's Tarzan that kills. <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. Oh yeah, that's, that's how it sounds. <laughs> no, no, but the, the I, I do. No, I like the I like the fact that you get to world build a lot because as a kid, I really liked Tarzan, and then my uncle made the mistake of taking me to Greystroke, and that oh, movie yeah. was boring as hell. So, I mean, hopefully, this is exciting. It looks like that's, it's exciting. <laughs> it that's what like we wanted out of. We we kept going back to the idea of like, well, you know, yeah, he's educated and everything like that now. But he was raised by animals, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so, mm -hmm. like, he knows how to throw, like, I, you know, there's that, that's the nature we wanted in the duality. I mean, that's always in those early books, but like, we really wanted, but what would that really look like? You know, if, how would a guy who was raised by animals really fight, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I think we did. Yeah, a I mean, we wanted job. to really inject you know, we really wanted to inject a lot more uh, action into this stuff too, because you know when you look back at the films and uh, TV shows and all that, it's you know they had their moments, but it's pretty passe. And mm -hmm. the other thing too is that we also wanted our character to become you know he's not just the jungle savage that's hanging out in there the whole time. I mean, we wanted to put him into the real world, um, you know. And again, not trying to give too much away, but you know he's. He is kind of like one of the first James Bond characters, you know, and uh, in a certain way. And so we're, we want to explore that as well. And and since this character has, you know, immense family wealth, I mean, he is, you know, in all intents and purposes, yeah. he is the original Bruce Wayne, you know. Yeah. So, uh, this is our man of mystery. It would only, I mean, right, you just exactly. sold me. I mean, I'm 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 here for him to to lead the Oompa Loompas to safety and good <laughs> values and to like unionize them against Willy Wonka, and then I want him to like go out and 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 stop Goldfinger. Cause oh they, yeah, I mean, well, they're like, you're gonna get what you want. I like their I like their music. It's okay, but I mean, come on. Go back to TV. Yeah. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, I guess I don't, again, like Dave's saying, I, I, I just, part of this I don't want to give away, but like when Dave says that like uh, it's a James Bond character, we 
one of the things that we're doing in this first issue, because this is straight, the first issue is straight jungle, sort of that kind of uh, character that you know, and he's in its you know natural habitat, no pun intended, but like, but uh, we plant all these seeds. One of the things I think we do pretty good in the first issue is we show all these affiliations that he has, so that while we pick up with him in the jungle, we see his family life, like his human family life, and then we see his the uh, animals that raised him, we get to see those people. So we see that affiliation. And then along the way, he runs into a battle that takes place during World War One, and his fellow British uh, Englishmen are there. And so you see that he has this affiliation with them as well. So you start to see that he's got all of these different sides to him. And so that by the time we get him out of the jungle, the next issue was going to pick up some, I don't know if we want to give that away, but... By the third issue, he's in civilization, and he's we've got him in a James Bond situation. I mean, the whole thing oh, yeah. is very, very. I mean, by the like, time, there, yeah, there's a big plot. There's the sort of the world is there's there's something really big at stake in a James Bond kind of way. Not quite a you know an evil laser ray that's going to blow blow up the world, but there is something that's afoot that he's a chocolate kind factory. Of, uh, yeah, a giant yeah, chocolate exactly. factory. It's yeah. going to like you know, but. Uh, so we, we all the sort of these different aspects of the character are kind of coming into the fore, uh, but we're planting all those seeds in there. And again, I, I guess I shouldn't give too too much away, but like that's the kind of stuff that we, we sort of have the freedom to kind of push it to where, wherever we want right now. And that's sort of we start to set up some of the you know the way it sort of is included in the uh, existing Lovecraft universe now. Uh, that's going to come pretty soon, but like. The expanse of that is going to get, you know, I, I think pretty interesting. Like, I mean, I think we have a pretty cool idea for where this is headed, you know. Mm. <laughs> I'm excited. So overall, what are we, um, well, and I say we, but <laughs> what are y'all, those are plans as far as, do y'all have a certain amount of books already planned out? Do you, are you just going to let it go as, um, as it comes or? Well, right now we have um, we've got the first book that's you know ninety five percent finished, be wrapped up in the next couple of weeks. So we want to get that one out there to people and see how it uh, how it goes. Uh, we uh, I just got script notes um, uh, that back from our script supervisor who went over the the work that Ryan and I just turned in, and so I'll be going over that with Ryan, and then we start in book two um, probably within the next couple of weeks. So the, for us, it's you know. We want to be able to keep doing this as long as the Kickstarters work out for us, but also we have, I mean, I don't know if we have an exact number of stories planned, but we we have at least half a dozen or more that we like to go. And, and out of that half a dozen, I'd say at least four, four or five of them are from, you know, this one arc that we have planned right now, which I think would be a lot of fun. So it, it would be. you know, seeing how all this stuff goes with, uh, you know, with Tarzan in the past, um, with that character on screen and the books and so on and so forth, it's just kind of nice and refreshing to take it in this different direction with Zadar and, and have him, you know, I mean, one of the reasons why we have him Zadar the Savage is, just, you know, it goes back to the, the noble savage, but then once he starts kind of, you know, being a little bit more domesticated and so on and so forth, it's, it's always, you, you, you always are reminded of that air of the savage underneath is to, you know, domestification. So, for us, it's a nice challenge with that, and then when you start adding in other characters from the, either the Lovecraft world and so on, it's 
it'll be a nice bounce back and forth to see how all these kind of characters interact since everybody's been living in this universe for a while now. <clears throat> so, excuse me, like Ryan was saying, by the time we get to issue three, when you, you know, put Zadar into the situation of what he's going through uh, in kind of the world stage, he's not in the jungle anymore. So it's like, okay, how's that guy going to be able to handle this? You know what I mean? Because you've never seen him in handle anything like that in that capacity. And in, in our character too, by the way, this, this issue takes place at the beginning. The first issue takes place um, when he's 18 uh, for a couple of pages, and then it jumps time to when he's in his mid thirties. So there's a lot of room to play there for us. Um, you know, just dealing with his character emotionally and so on and so forth. And that I think is what's, what's, what's fun too, is we're not taking him as a, a baby suddenly being raised by animals or a teenager. It's, it's literally, he's had this life experience and, what does that mean at this point in his life with his family and so on and so forth on the line? Yeah, that that's super important. That's a big part of why we picked it up uh, where we did too. Cause I had originally written this sort of like idea for another like origin story. And that's when, when Dave and I were talking about the public domain and I said, Oh, you know, I'd always had this idea for a Tarzan, like kind of like origin story. And Dave was like, well, how about we how about we cut to the chase because everybody's seen that a million times, you know what I mean? And so we 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 found this idea about you know having it take place during World War One, and then I was just captivated with the idea of him of, of, of this jungle lord jumping from like tanks and like you know what I mean? Like I just the image of that like stuck in my head. But as Dave was just saying, what that did for us, you know, that was like the, you know, the spark of it. But what it did was and why it's so important is because it it sort of sets up that this character has had this life that, that, you know, so like we don't really know exactly what's happened, but more importantly, he's had this life. He's got a reputation. Like, so like, that's one of the things we're really playing with in the book is that the character has this reputation and he has these allegiances and these connections to people so that when he runs into British uh, soldiers in world war one, they know who he is. Hmm. And not only do they know who he is, he's got a rank in the, like, and he outranks a lot of them because he's a special guy. Uh, he's got special. He's got special. He's he's the viceroy of the jungle for uh, all practical purposes. <laughs> I love because it. he's like the hand of the. Because like if you're the king of England and you've got these uh, colonies in in Africa, mm -hmm. who are you going to put in charge of that? Other than you're you you've got one guy who was you know what I mean, and he's he's got uh, he's got uh, nobility. He's got he's got uh, you know a title. Uh, 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 you know, heretic title. So uh, he's a perfect candidate to be your viceroy of your jungle. So when he runs into these guys, they know who he is and he can tell them what to do and he, they have to listen to him. And, you know, based on his reputation and, you know, the fact that he might rip your face off if you don't, uh, but like, you know, there's, he, he's got all these, he's got all these sides and titles and he's got allegiances with everybody. So the fact that he's been in all of these worlds so thoroughly it seemed kind of crazy to constrain him just to like the jungle, which is sort of, I guess the character, you know, and just the idea of pushing him into the world and then seeing, Oh, well, he's been in this world already and people know who he is. And another thing we kind of play with is the idea that like, well, some people know him from, you know, he's got a popular, uh, he's, you know, a popular presence. So some people know him from uh, comic books maybe. And some people know him from, uh, from like maybe like professors did a symposium on this, uh, you know, there's academic papers written on him. There's uh, stories about him having fought in battles and stuff like that. So he carries with him like a real legend and you see that, like you see all the characters around him kind of interact with him differently. So like the Ascari, uh, uh, 
soldiers see him differently than say the British soldiers than say does a little kid who might have read a comic book about him. And so that's that's really important to us. That was really an important ingredient to the thing for us. So in this version of Jungle to Jungle, when does Tim Allen show up? <laughs> oh yeah. That's the real he's the real he, real villain. He shows up early and uh, I'll just spoiler alert, we kill him quickly. Oh my <laughs> he gosh. Does, he does not last long. Wow. Yeah, wow. He has a bad encounter I, with a rhino. And, I think uh, I changed my backing <laughs> status. <laughs> Talk to Tim yeah, Allen. There's no, there's no, no, tool, no tool time, tool time in the yeah, jungle type. Tool time. <laughs> so let's, um, let's talk about the, the campaign. Uh, that sure. launched a couple days ago, right? Or yesterday? Uh, yeah, we launched it on Thursday, which normally Thursday. we do a Tuesday run. But um, because I was at a show this weekend, I wanted to kind of at least just do it a day before. And mm-hmm. so I'm pushing it while I'm at the show. Um, and then we've, you know, it's this campaign runs for about 30, I think it's got about 37, 38 days left, ends December 27th. And um, we just really wanted to kind of get it out there long enough to, you know, around the holiday. And like I said, the books will be delivered. Um, probably by the end of January, if all goes well with the manufacturing. Um, so it's a pretty quick turnaround um, for that book. And so for the Kickstarter campaign, we have it. Uh, we were lucky enough to get Simon Bisley to do our cover. He, uh, you know, he created Lobo and uh, had done work for Judge Dredd. And so it's uh, he's been around for quite a long time. So it was really nice getting him on board. So he's also signed up to do the next two covers. Such a good um, And then we have. Yeah, it's pretty good. And when you look at the cover, it's um, that's definitely looks like a uh, Zadar. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and then we had uh, Pablo de Bonis, uh, who does our illustrations, interior illustrations, and we had him do a, a variant cover, which is pretty pretty dope. Um, and the rest of our crew from Darkside, Damien and Joel, and all those guys are on for lettering, and coloring. So it's um, the same the same crews are working on it. So you're going to get a top quality product. And our you know because the campaign is. Uh, new for the first issue we don't have a whole lot we've got the you know obviously got the issue uh pdf uh print we have the variant uh we have a you know the cover with the mystery but the biggest thing for us which we've never done before is we're selling original artwork and uh bisley uh was nice enough to send over the original painting so i did get that from him from england and it just arrived the other day so we have a picture of that up on the website on the kickstarter um and then pablo had also submitted a bunch of um uh, original inked panel uh, pages from inside the book. So we have about, t- I think, 10 of those up there as well. So for us, that's exciting because it's, you know, we don't normally sell original artwork. And to be able to hold, I mean, holding that Simon Bisley in my hand, which I've never held an original piece of his work, is pretty awesome. And it's a big, it's an 18 by 25 inch uh, painting. Um, and it's a painting, it's not digital. So it's you're really getting to see all the detail inside of it, which is really nice. You know, so, and then we also have the add-ons. Um, which is kind of nice with Kickstarter now. They let us do that. So we have our Berserker Emporium, which continues our series with Berserkers. Um, we also have our Lovecraft Emporium as well. So um, you can still pick up any type of Lovecraft uh, merchandise that you want that you may have missed. Nice. Uh, hey, I, I gotta actually. I, I, I haven't thrown enough praise to our uh, art team either. So like, as I. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough that I just get to write this, and that's probably the funnest in part. 
uh, I get, I don't want to say easiest part, but like, it's definitely like, uh, you know, it's, it's been really fun for me as one of the writers and, uh, these guys do a lot of the heavy lifting afterwards. And I just got to say like the art of this book, I mean, Pablo has just done an amazing job and he packs so much story into every one of these panels and every one of these images. Cause it's a lot of action in this first issue, but boy, he, he just does such a great job of packing this stuff in. And, um, I've been looking at it now with, uh, some of the color pages are coming in from Damien and it, it just looks gorgeous. But the thing that keeps amazing me is just how much he got in there and how much, uh, storytelling that they're just doing with the art and the way it just moves there's no lettering in it yet so i'm just looking at the panels and just the way the story gets told is just it's just amazing and then i don't know how dave got simon bisley on it but i mean that's another <laughs> thing like but like to have a guy who is in that class of like frank frazetta or you know he's his heir to that kind of boris vallejo kind of like so i mean it's exactly the right guy for the cover you know what i mean like and, and i don't know i I still don't know how you got him, Dave, but like, uh, it just, it's really, you know, it lends it this sort of, it sort of ties it to a, a legacy of these kinds of books. And I just, I mean, I'm just astounded by how good the art is and just how, how gorgeous this book looks and what an amazing job Pablo did interpreting, uh, the, the script. I mean, it just hums. The yeah. I mean, well, it's right along. And the thing with Pablo too is, uh, as far as uh, the Dark Side team, he's um, this is his first uh, endeavor with us, so it's always a, a bit of a challenge because you don't know how an illustrator artist is going to work with you um, on getting the project done, a which is most important, and then the quality of work. And for us, um, Daniel, who does our Lovecraft um, illustrations, uh, he recommended Pablo to me, um, and that's kind of how our relationship started. So it's, it's one of those things which great about the team is that they're all watching each other's back, you know? So if I'm like, you know, if I'm starting up a new series or, um, you know, need a letter or so on and so forth, it's the boys always lend their, you know, professional hand in that instance. So it's been a nice transition, um, to have somebody on board that's ready to go and is turning out such good work, but also having to give very little direction to, which is huge. Um, and you know, Ryan's right. I mean, the, the stuff that he's incorporating into the panels is, is crazy. So it's, it's one of those books that may be a fast read because there's a lot of action, but definitely take a moment to really observe what he's doing in the background, because there's a lot of like little hidden gems in there that will, you know, come into play later on. So it's going to be like, you read it once to, to get the, to get the story. And then you read it twice to pick up all that, that good Easter eggy, good goodness and, and, just soak up all that great art. I mean, I'm probably going to read it like probably three times because one, I love Tarzan <laughs> well, and, and I think, then, you know, I'm just excited about like everything you just said. I, that was honestly, as I was flipping through like all the pictures and stuff in the past uh, and, and just checking out the art and stuff like that. I was like, this is really, really sick looking. I'm, I'm excited. Well, we to also see what wanted to, is. no, thanks man. I, but the other thing too, is we wanted to go something a little different with the artwork this time. Cause with Daniel's um, ink, He's, you know, because Lovecraft is, is, you know, a noir comic, so we want uh -huh. to keep everything very thick lines and very dark. And yeah. so with um, with Zadar, we wanted to go off of like, you know, going harken back to Tarzan a little bit. I was a huge fan of the old comic strips from the Sunday papers. Oh, yeah. So all the lines, the, the the line work in those are pretty thin, but there's a lot of mm -hmm. vibrant color. Um, and okay. so that's what we wanted to kind of go for is is to have a lot of vibrant color and very thin pen, thin lines and. To me, that shows a lot more dynamic 
motion in a comic. So with, you know, so with Zadar, I mean, he's always moving, he's swinging, he's running, he's leaping, he's doing all sorts of things. So having that kind of thin line set, uh, line weight, I'm sorry, in vibrant colors, I feel moves the pages along and, you know, not to tutor on horn for the story, but there's a very pivotal scene, um, that happens in it. That's really emotional. And anybody who's a fan of um, th- this kind of jungle lore is going to be, I think, will be impacted pretty well. And uh, it's a hitter, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it happens twice, when, but the first time it happens, you're just like, "Whoa!" And then the, you know, and then when it happens again at the end, you're just like, "Man, okay." Tim and the Rhino. Tim and the Rhino. Tim and the Rhino. Yes. Tim oh, okay. okay. <laughs> good. Good. Then, yeah. then I'm, I'm, I'm rebacked again. I rebacked yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> I want, to what Dave was saying about like uh, the art too, uh, the fact that Pablo is actually doing this old school and pencil and penning it Ooh. is so great because we got this original artwork that you know you know physical original artwork. I mean, it's, whether it's digital or it's all original artwork, but to have physical copies of these things uh, is, I mean, it's heartbreaking. I don't, I don't want to have, uh, you know, we're we're putting them on the campaign and. Collectors of uh, original artwork should snap these up because I'm, and if they don't, I'm going to be happy to have some of these back because, like, uh, I want, there's a few pages in there I'm going to be sad to see go. Um, oh, definitely. Sure Dave, it's going to break <laughs> Dave's heart to lose the, uh, the uh, Simon Bisley cover. But um, <laughs> it's it's nice to have physical work uh, just to have. And um, someone should, I mean, I don't, again, like, I, it's going to break my heart to part with these things, but like, someone's that Simon Bisley painting is, uh, you know, it's, it's nice. Like someone should snap that up, but, um, but uh, there's a sort of quality to it too. Like, I mean, it's, it's a little ephemeral and I know the distance between digital and, you know, the old analog ways of doing things or physical ways of doing things. It's, but the, you do, there probably, there's sort of an energy to Pablo's sketches and um, you know, a texture to Bisley's painting I mean, I love digital stuff, and I know under, I understand, especially with color, it's easier to just do it digitally. But there's something about these pencils and inks that it, it lends a kind of kinetic forces or some kind of action. I don't know. There's just some subtle thing where you can kind of feel the sort of granular kind of quality. Well, the thing I, I don't know. I was going to say too with with Bisley's painting, looking at it up close, seeing like how he does muscle tone and and, and colors and all that stuff, and what you know how he does the paint strokes and all that to me is really cool because you can kind of sort of see that when you see a as long as you have a high res digital imprint of it but when you see it like you know right up to your face and see it in the light and seeing how all the you know how all these things kind of work together to come up with this beautiful image you're just like man i don't know how this guy does it (laughs) how how, uh, big is the original uh, the original painting is 18 inches by 25 inches wow. so it's yeah. and it's on a board yeah. too and and he of course on the back he you know because he's he, he's a madman i love this guy he you know, on the back he has all sorts of like you know writings and sketches and you know so he's what you're getting is definitely an artistic <laughs> board i mean <laughs> i don't even know if that that board looks like it may have been used on something else and he just went over it with you know with our painting so it's that's what's kind of cool about it it's it's very tectoral you know um you know it's you know, maybe even cool what's even cooler maybe too i mean i don't know what it could be cool in that painting but the sketch he provided a sketch i was just about to say that and like the the way that he sketched it and then sort of broadened it out i know people aren't looking at this but there's an elephant in the background and he decided he needed a little more elephant for them like (laughs) the way he kind of like you just see this work in progress of you know he's he's like a legendary artist and like it's just neat to see this actual 
you know, work in progress. So uh, not only is the painting there, but the original sketch. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a great one-two punch for somebody to have. But I mean, I, it's getting a little pricey. But it's, it's, I don't know. There's some nice, there's some nice things in this campaign for for collectors if uh, if they're, um, you know, if they're interested. Um, I don't know. This seems like a really nice reward here for uh, you know somebody with deep pockets for sure. But like, you know, if you're if you're one of those people who collects art, this is this is a great piece. Yeah, I'll, I, I've been looking at the at the sketch uh, as much as the painting looks great it looks awesome uh i i think the the black and white sketch it, I, I there's something about it that just it keeps drawing me back into it yeah i agree yeah totally <laughs> so yeah uh is there anything that uh that we may have missed uh, anything that we want to make sure to cover no i think we got everything um yeah, so we're going to – this campaign ends December 27th, um, and then we're going to have uh, – in January, we're going to be launching Berserkers uh, Issue 4, and that's an eight-issue limited series. So we're going to be getting that all wrapped up uh, probably by the end of uh, next year. And then we have um, – we're starting our fourth title, uh, Under the Dark Side Banner, and it's going to be Memoirs of the Reanimator. Uh, so that, that issue, first issue, will be coming out probably mid-next year, and then we have another Lovecraft book will be coming out as well. And that Memoirs of the Reanimator, that is a spinoff of uh, the Lovecraft PI? Or is that yeah, I had written a, well, I had written a lot of stuff um, when I was working on The Curious Case. I had written a lot of uh, backstory between Lovecraft and West um, from when they were in childhood all the way up until they parted ways after, uh, in the middle of World War One. And so um, what this does is this kind of, you know, opens up of the first issue opens up with them in college. And, um, you know, in the middle of shenanigans happening afoot, you know, with, you know, with Herbert West uh, trying to reanimate something. So um, and him and, you know, because him and Lovecraft were good friends, they're both doctors and they both, um, you know, Lovecraft is more or less his sounding board and, you know, kind of watching this maniac, you know, do his thing. But, uh, you know, he's also, you know, what's kind of what I like about the Lovecraft story with him is that. You know, he started all this. He, he basically helped uh, enable Herbert to, you know, create these uh, abominations and this whole kind of iconic quest of him, you know, going out there and um, and, and just expanding upon science and expanding upon science. And the problem is, is now it's coming back to haunt Lovecraft because you know this guy's this guy's a maniac, you know. So. Uh, <laughs> And he was there at the beginning. He could have stopped it all and so on and so forth. So there's, that's what's kind of nice with this comic is it explores their relationship at the beginning. And then it takes off uh, with West. And so Lovecraft won't be in every single issue, but he does pop up here and there. So that's what's kind of fun with it. So it's in it, that that's um, we have a different artist uh, that's doing that. Uh, Sebastian Sala, who um, will start working with us on uh, on that book. Um, I think within the next couple of weeks the script's done and it's um, being looked over right now. Yes. And I want to take a minute if you, while we're just wrapping that, I just want to throw some props to Dave because again, like I've got the easiest job out of anybody on all this. It's just fun for me. I get to just write it and come up with stuff with Dave. But uh, I just got to just, none of this would be possible. It wouldn't be worth doing if Dave hasn't, hadn't built up all this great dark side media, uh, you know, platform. And, uh, and, um, just the work he's been doing is just so, I mean, like, it's just really, I think all the comics Dave has put together between, uh, 
you know, the, the Lovecraft stuff and the crossover and the Berserkers is like this, I think that's like a sleeper hit. I mean, that, that, those books look great. I mean, he, the team he's put together for these books, the quality of the stuff that's coming out is absolutely top notch. I think that could go toe to toe with just about anything out there in terms of the quality and just the, 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 the work that he's putting out there. And, you know, as it's been steadily monetized and like, you know, with Kickstarter, all that hard work, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's, you know, he, he's made this platform, this platform and enabled this work. So just for me as a writer who gets to like come in and just, you know, come up with something and then see it produced in, in front of me. I just got to, I just, I'm a little bit in awe and it's, Dave's just done an outstanding job of creating this, this uh, publishing company and uh, Thanks, you know, ways to grow. But like, I, I, I just think it's a matter of getting the word out there because the stuff is just looking, I mean, I think it's top notch and, and it's, it's cool that we're living in this age where we can connect with, artists and 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 do i mean we did this this book during a pandemic and like you know just, and talking to you guys it's yeah. just really cool to be part of all this and uh and to use this new technology and it's just the you know the internet's got a lot of bad things too but it's got a lot of great stuff and, and mm -hmm. enabling stuff like this and the work the way dave's capitalized on all of it and and taken it i'm just i'm glad to be part of it and kind of grateful that it, I, there's this avenue to 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 put work out and like it's cheap talk for me because I, again, I, I feel like the easiest job out of anyone. So, <laughs> Well, thanks man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I want to just thank you guys for, for once again, coming um, yeah, yeah. on so early. Um, I know you guys are, are uh, going to go out and, uh, and um, man the table there to at the, the con that you're at here. Take um, on the day. Seize it. <laughs> like Zadar. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, we need to so. get you back. We need to get back. Uh, get you back for Berserkers. We haven't talked that on the on the uh, on the podcast. So we need to get you back on that. And when the new um, the new uh, reanimator uh, series comes out, we need to get you back on that for that. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what where what else comes out from from Darkside Media, and uh, hopefully we, we we get a whole lot more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. That's the goal. <laughs> so, well, thank you guys for having us. I really appreciate it. Our yeah, pleasure. Thanks, our thanks pleasure. so much. Well, guys, I'm going to go ahead and leave the uh, the links to the to the uh, Kickstarter here in the in the episode description, and um, I'll give you guys some some uh, some previews what from the uh, from the Kickstarter. But make sure to head out there and actually look at the Kickstarter uh, if you. If you're interested in, in, in this type of uh, comic book, back it. If uh, maybe you're not able to do so at this point, share it. Share it. Um, that's uh, the same thing I keep saying in, in all these all these episodes. Is if, if anything else, share it. Because if you might not uh, be into it or you might not be able to do it, someone's going to be able to get Some, and Trust yeah, me. Absolutely. That share button is going to be the greatest way to, to get that out there. It's the same. And the share button's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Well, once again, Dave, Ryan, thank you for going, coming here. And I want to thank everybody for, for joining us in this episode here on, on this week on Kickstarter. It's your turn to be afraid.
Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.